What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to understand construction financing. You know, a lot of people look at construction financing as some kind of mystical unicorn in lending. And really, really, it's not that complicated. It's just that there are a specific series of steps. And if followed correctly, you will have a great experience. But the difference between construction financing and typical financing is it's just much more subjective. Each scenario is unique. And you really need to work with somebody that knows what's up, which is why we're doing this presentation here for you today and, and episodes so you can listen in on specifically the actual process. That's it. We're just going to talk about the process from start to finish and what you need to know about construction financing. Hey, I'm Alex McFadden. This is Derek Williamson and Dean Lawton. We're the partners here at Thrive Mortgage Co. We focus on on helping you create wealth in real estate and getting the best mortgage products. But we're going to rip into it today with an episode that is hyper-focused. So Dean, take it away. What are we doing first? The first step is we want to simplify this process. And I'd say the biggest challenge when we get introduced to a client is they're very confused on how to get started. And how to get started is really simple. We treat the process the exact same way we would treat a process if you were applying to buy a move-in ready home. And that starts with an application. And the application is really who you are, what you do for work, your assets, your liabilities, and your credit score. That is what's gonna make up the application and that is what is gonna allow us to qualify you for the home you're gonna build. And, and the reason why that's so important is because when people do get approved for a loan, it, you have options. And construction financing, you can actually, depending on the lender, can actually qualify for more then you may qualify for if you were actually going to move into that home. So I'll, I'll explain that a little bit. And that's why we have choice. So we have choice. You're going to see we have your typical A lenders. We consider it really any bank, credit union, anyone that's going to give you the best rates are going to be considered an A lender. And then the others are the alternative lenders. So other, you know, commonly known as private lenders or business for self lenders or B lenders. These are the lenders that are going to allow you to qualify for a lot more while you're building the home, then you may actually be able to qualify for when you actually get to live in that home. And so it's really important that when we do the application process that we understand exactly how much you qualify for, because we don't want to build a home that is too expensive for you to afford when you move in. And so that's what we're doing here is we're going through the choice. Now, you may be wondering like, well, why would I, why would I take an alternative lender opposed to an A lender? And you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. And especially when it comes to construction, what we found and, and a lot of a lot of experts in the industry will agree, especially builders, is we typically construction projects get stalled because of financing and because banks aren't releasing draws and alternative lenders are much more flexible to deal with during construction. So it is very common that we would do the construction portion of the mortgage with an alternative lender and then when the construction is complete and you can move into that home that's where we will then bring in the ba the bank that you would be familiar with and the bank would then provide you your traditional forever mortgage 
when it comes to construction financing, there are different types of institutions outside of the banks. If you're wondering, conventional institutions and credit unions offer construction programs, but for more flexibility, working together with our team like ours and, uh, and a company that has access to a variety of options, you can start to look at different types of lenders. Do not be afraid of private lenders because they provide you with more access and more qualification than you would ever typically get. And there is a use for that type of program. And believe it or not, it can save you money in the long run. That's a really good point is it can save you money. And a lot of times stress is just the mental currency of, of stress during a project like this is so key uh, to just know that you have your funds when you need them. Uh, and and you don't you don't have construction delays. Construction delays can be extremely costly, far more costly than a little bit of a higher interest rate. And so just knowing that and knowing what you're getting into is super, super important when when choosing a lender. I'll pass this one over to Derek. And what we're getting into here is just really the construction portion of this. And this is why most people are confused because they don't know what to expect here and what to put together. And we simplify this and, and really we, we, we put this on the builder. Yeah, so just to backtrack a little bit, uh... Um, standard mortgage application we figure out qualifications so we're gonna have a detailed conversation with you guys uh, to figure out you know and, and expose essentially your qualification what lender options we have and build out that finance strategy so that before you uh, you know are out there with, with your real estate agent looking for a lot and before you're engaging a builder you guys know exactly what you can spend and what the costs associated are gonna be just before I move on to this another piece I wanted to bring up about the private financing is oftentimes people People want to remain in their home in their existing property while they're building a lot of times it's very hard to qualify to carry two conventional mortgages of that size so private lenders will come into play just for ease and convenience to allow you to stay in your home access the equity build your new home and then once your new home is fully constructed you can actually sell and move in so that's a, a really common scenario that we see as well um, but in regards to uh, moving forward so assuming that we have you guys pre-qualified for construction your next step is looking for that property uh, and working with a licensed, good, solid builder to figure out costs associated. So you're actually gonna go through a pretty in-depth builder's contract um, that outlines all the terms and uh, just to make sure you guys are on the same page with timelines and costs and everything associated with that. Every builder is gonna actually charge for their work and it's typically built into the, the cost of construction. So uh, they're going to help you guys build out floor plans, a budget. Keep in mind, everything correlates with your financing. So, you know, if you qualify for a million dollar construction loan, we need to make sure that you're building within that. You actually typically want to build beneath your maximum qualification because it's very common that people will go over. Um, you know, you're, you're halfway through your build. You decide you want to move some walls over. Uh, something like we're, you know, experiencing right now during COVID is the cost of lumber has gone up dramatically. So these are little things that can throw someone's budget completely out of whack. Um, builders always have warranty or they have to typically to get conventional or private lending. The lenders want to know that the, the builder is actually going to back their work and warranty is a big piece that's coming that comes into play there so application figuring out qualification finding your builder and your property and then essentially designing your home um, is a, a the huge next step and and just making sure you have a good understanding of, of what this is going to look like and and what your costs and your mortgage are going to look like once your property is complete one of the biggest pitfalls we see here is clients will go out and design a home without consulting the builder 
And it's so important that you work with a design firm that is in communication with your builder. There's nothing worse than designing a home that is far more detailed and you know structurally you know difficult to build that and that wasn't communicated with the builder and, and then ultimately finding out that that home is going to be cost way too much to build so having your builder and designer work together is is number one uh, is probably the number one uh, pitfall that I see at this point of the of the process so it's really key to make sure that they're communicating and working together yeah I think this is a key point to bring up Dean and Derek both together that in communication between all parties throughout the entire process has to be completely ironclad and when you're going through the process of picking as noted a builder uh, a mortgage team and anyone else that's going to be assisting you in the build process make sure to make those introductions and make sure to have that communication flowing if you're finding that's not the case there could be some issues there and you want to definitely definitely get that sorted out ASAP. If you're talking to us in the team, we will make introductions if necessary to a positive uh, or to a builder that we've had a positive experience with, if possible, if they're willing to take you on and some other parties that can assist you through the process. Again, reach out, let us know. We'll help you there. Last piece, last bullet that's actually not on the screen here is a builder's resume. Lenders, pretty much every lender will want a resume of your builder to ensure they have the experience to build the home that they're going to build for you. Um, so that's really important. A resume, a builder's resume typically includes like the past three or four projects that they built uh, with a scope of work. Jumping into the, the next part of the process is an appraisal report. And typically an appraisal report is required for most transactions, most typical, you know, move in ready homes, you would, uh, an appraisal would be required. Now this appraisal is a little bit different. So there's actually two reports attached to this appraisal. And what the, what that means is essentially the appraiser is going to tell us what the value is of the lot that you're purchasing. So if you're purchasing a bare lot, they're gonna tell us this, this lot is worth X amount of dollars, hopefully as much as you spent uh, or paid for the lot. And, and then they're also gonna tell us what the value is of the home once it's complete. So they're gonna take that budget, they're gonna take those floor plans and design that you, you, you developed with your builder. They're gonna take that and they're gonna tell us what the home will be worth when it's complete. And that's really important. The lender wants to ensure that what you're building and how much money you're spending on the build is going to be marketable and the value is gonna be, is gonna be supported. Boom. All about the appraisals. And listen, if you haven't already checked it out, if you have to reference back to the YBR Remo show, we have had content and episodes focused specifically on appraisals and what to expect. So we'll make sure to uh, post different uh, links to some of the appraisal information that you guys need to know because there's a lot that goes into an appraisal contrary to popular belief. Let's touch about uh, reviewing your financing offers. So obviously, as mentioned initially, Dean, we start the process with a typical pre-approval. And I think that's the thing that surprises people a lot is that right off the bat, we just quite simply want to pre-approve you just like anyone else. So we're going to be starting off the process with obviously collecting your application, collecting your income documentation, whether you're self-employed or employed, we're going to be looking at that same information. And although as uh, the gentleman discussed in the previous notes there, we do look at, of course, the lenders that are going to offer you the construction financing. One of the considerations that we will be looking at, and I'm skipping ahead here, is actually what we call the 
takeout mortgage. And so the reason I want to highlight that right now is because often when we talk about alternative lending or private lending for mortgage companies, as Derek referenced and Dean referenced here, that's not necessarily who you're going to end off with. You're actually looking at who would I qualify uh, with this home if I'm keeping it for myself afterwards or if I'm renting it out or whatever that looks like. And quite honestly, um, I'd say in most circumstances, we're actually looking at a typical lender. Um, otherwise, from the actual construction financing piece, we might be looking at, as noted before, whether it's a credit union and what their program could be, whether it's a, a bank. We don't use the banks as much as some of the other companies. Or again, if it's a private lender, again, the idea here is that you're only carrying that mortgage from the timeline to which you start to finish the construction and then you're out of there. We're placing you into a better loan. Derek, why don't you take over from there? I think a lot of people, you know, when you talk about construction, everyone compares private and banks and credit unions because of the flexibility of their draws, which is a very key component to consider, but there are other factors. Just like your typical resident residential mortgage, um, some lenders are gonna allow us to use more rental income. Like you're gonna qualify for more financing with specific lenders. Some lenders that have, and I'm talking conventional banks and credit unions, typically the ones that have a good construction program, it's because they want to do that business. They're comfortable, they understand the concept, they know what the exit looks like. Um, I hate to say it, but I, I personally feel like some of the banks that, that don't have a great program, they don't have a great program because they don't want to deal with it, right? Construction is a totally different beast. Their, their admin and, and you know their staff are involved for 12 to 18 months on a construction application, whereas your typical residential purchase, they might be working on that for a week. Um, so it is really important to understand that and costs are different too. Like, you know, we have amazing, amazing residential interest rates. Even the banks uh, and credit unions will typically charge more during construction because there is more risk to the institution. They're giving you money and hoping that you build a sound and, and valuable home. Right. They're hoping that you do a good job. They're hoping you don't take some of that money to go to the casino. They're hoping that everything goes as you have planned and told them. So they typically do charge a bit of a higher interest rate. And sometimes there is a fee at the beginning as well. Um, so it's funny when you compare, you know, a, a coast capital mortgage, a construction mortgage to maybe a private lending uh, construction loan, the costs actually aren't that much different because the conventional lending rates are inflated a little bit. But um, just to touch on process, and, and at this point, you're typically going through a few different options. We're explaining qualification, talking about the costs associated with the mortgage, flexibility, and then what is the outcome? Like, what is the end game here, right? Even if you're with a credit union, uh, sometimes it makes sense to refinance maybe back to your bank if they have a better rate and product for you if, if you plan on keeping this property long term. This is the planning session. This is the strategy. This, there's a lot of moving parts here. And we the, the, simple, the way to simplify this is to really understand what is the end goal and, and make sure we're putting a really good plan in place for the end goal. So uh, whether you're, you know, a lot of people build homes just for the purpose to sell them because there is a profit. You know, a lot of times you do find a profit in building a home and and and, and maybe a takeout mortgage isn't even uh, necessary because the goal is to sell the home. So again, the plan here is to have uh, a very, very detailed strategy that uh, with the end goal in mind. So let's let's move forward. Uh, the, the really the guts of this entire process is the construction is actually building the home and building the home and understanding the the draw structure it will will actually help you choose so it's you know in a way we're going ahead but understanding this now 
this part of the process will really help you choose the lender because not every lender is the same. And to Derek's point, you know, lenders that are a little bit more difficult to deal with, you know, primarily some of the bigger banks, they're difficult to deal with because to Derek's point, they don't want to do these types of transactions. They're not set up to do them. Uh, and there isn't a lot of common sense. You're typically dealing with an employee at the institution that just doesn't understand construction. They, they've never built a home. They've never even set foot on a construction site. And so they just don't get it. And, and common sense lending is so important when it comes to draw schedules. And so what we're looking at here on the screen is your typical bank draw schedule. It's, it's very, it's, it's primarily like a rigid process and, and it's usually one to four or five draws. And, and a lot of the times they expect all of your money invested into the project before they lend you any dollars towards construction. And so what that means is if you're, you know, if you're purchasing a home or, or a lot, the very first draw is usually considered the land draw. And the land draw is really how much money is left over to pay for the lot after we've decided how much money you're going to be injecting into the property. So we usually see, you know, this is no more than 75% of the appraised value, but usually it's a lot, it's, it's actually closer to 50 or even, you know, even more than 50% down on the property because if, you know, as an example, if we're financing the entire construction cost plus the land, which is normal, you would usually look at anywhere from 25 to 35% down on the entire cost of construction. Some lenders will allow you to put a little bit less. Uh, those are one-off scenarios that we would get into in a later in a later session, but primarily you're looking at around 25 to 35% of the total cost. And you, again, all the money that you're gonna inject into the property would be done on the very first draw. The second draw would come in at typically uh, what we could consider framing stage. So the home is framed up. So, you know, whenever you drive by a construction site and you see, you know, a big wood frame building, that's usually framing stage. And that's when you would receive your second draw. And, and it's really important to understand that the, the lenders are essentially refunding you the cost in a way. So they expect you to, you or the builder to build it to this point of the of of the process so you know if you're looking at a continuum and they say hey make sure your home is framed then we'll release x amount of dollars that's what they're looking for they want to make sure it's already built so a lot of times you know the builders are bu essentially building on credit or you're paying them up front depending on your agreement with the builder and then the lenders coming and reimbursing it when that's complete so moving on to the next stage would be considered lockup this is a very like this is a milestone. This is a big milestone in, in construction is once you get to lock up, what that means is basically the house is framed, all the windows are in, you can close the door, the roof's on, essentially no weather's getting into the home. You know, it's probably not sided, you know, there's there's a lot of work still to be done. All the rough-ins with electrical and everything else are probably still required, but you can physically lock the home up. And this is usually around 50% of the, the project's about 50% complete at this point in time. Now, this is really important to understand that these with a bank, if you don't get to this stage, there's no money being released. So if you're expecting, say, one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars to be released at whether it's framing or lockup or one of the other uh, draw stages, if you're not one hundred percent complete to that point of the project, they will not release a draw. And, and knowing that rigidness is really important. And that's the difference between a construction 
mortgage that's based on a cost to complete. So I'll, I'll let Derek touch on cost to complete after I wrap up this uh, this draw schedule for a bank. And then, and then you'll really understand the difference of why somebody would go with a more flexible option. Because if you're not at lockup and, and you're not getting any more money, this is where we see projects get stalled and delayed. The fourth draw is typically painting, and this is this is sometimes an optional draw, or some some lenders will just not even include this as a draw. And so painting is usually just finishing finishing work. So at this point in time, you know the drywalls in, the you know the the baseboards are in, all the you know the finishing details are getting put in, the the cabinetry and whatnot, and, and we're essentially painting the the interior and the exterior of the home at this point in time. And this was usually around eighty five percent complete. Uh, and then the last draw is when the home is 100% complete. Some people would consider 97% to 100% complete uh, your, when you would receive that final draw. And the final draw is basically all the remaining money that you were expecting from the bank would, be, would come in at this time. And I'll stress again, if we're not exactly at that percentage complete, the bank is not releasing the funds. And that is again where we run into issues and essentially problems problems occur at that point in time with delays and whatnot. So so Derek, why don't you just touch on the cost complete approach, which is 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 very common with private lenders and even some banks do offer that type of a, a draw schedule. Yeah, there's a lot of variables, even like with that very last and final draw, some lenders just want to see a progress report showing that it's 97% complete. Some lenders actually want to see occupancy permit from the city. Sometimes the city can be delayed and that can cause you to be sitting there pending, waiting on your money for another month. So um, lots of different things to consider, but cost of complete is essentially, actually, you know what, before I dig into that, it's very important that if somebody is building, you're not using every single dollar that you have. If you are accounting for every single dollar to make up your required down payment, it's very, very easy to run into issues in a build, even if it is under a cost to complete structure. Um, and the reason for that, so cost to complete is essentially a lender is always holding back the amount of money that it's going to take to finish your project, right? So if your project is gonna cost you a million dollars to build your home, if you are 65% complete, the lender is always holding back 350, right? They're always holding back enough money so that if something goes wrong, they have that money sitting there and they can step in and finish the property and sell. So where you need a bit of a buffer here, unless you have a really good builder that will often carry some of the costs for you, um, if you have a good builder and there's a good agreement and they'll carry costs for a certain duration of the build, that can really help here because as you can imagine, if you put all of your money into the project and you're just breaking even, right? Maybe you've put in your 650 and the lender's holding back 350, there's no money to be released. So in that situation, if your builder can take on some of the cost for maybe a month or two on credit, that's gonna allow you to make some further progress. Another report is gonna show that you've made maybe 15% progress and the lender is gonna be able to release some funds back to you. Um, but like I said, where people can run into issues, if, if you don't have a builder that can, that can carry cost of construction for you or carry a bit of a credit for a couple months, uh, you will typically run into issues. You will run into a situation where you've injected all of your cash and the lender has to hold back the balance and they have no funds to give you. So when we try, when we go through the planning process um, and qualification, we try to over qualify. We try to secure more financing than people are actually going to need. And there's also a contingency that's built in. That's really, really important. Uh, 
again, I'm just using a million dollars as an example, but if someone's building a million dollar home, if that's your cost of construction, we typically recommend, and so do the banks, some of them actually enforcing this, that you have 10%, so $100,000 set aside in addition to your down payment. And that $100,000 can come into play if you have cost overruns, if you're running into a cost of complete issue. Um, but at the end of the day, some lenders are very rigid on you have to be at lockup or we're not giving you funds. And then other lenders run with costs to complete, which can be a lot more flexible if you have a good setup and you have a contingency or you're working with a good builder. Yeah, those are really good points. And I think the, the one thing I want to hammer home is this isn't to scare you away from doing this. This is just to really understand the options. Our job is to articulate what options are available and which ones are going to be more rigid than the next. And, you know, a rigid draw schedule may not be a bad thing for somebody that has a lot of cash available and can push the project along when needed. But the biggest, biggest value to a cost to complete approach draw schedule is the fact that you could have 10 draws you could have 20 draws there's really no limit on how many draws you can take it, as long as you got one or two percent of the project complete you can call for a draw and there and that is probably the biggest biggest one i wanted to hit home is, is you'll never experience delays if you're working with a good builder and we properly articulated the budget ahead of time you will never experience delays with a true cost complete mortgage well said gentlemen i think that's a pretty thorough breakdown in regards to that um let's move on to the last step of the actual process here shall we well, the final step really is is refinancing and, and getting that proper mortgage. So if you are if you are going to keep this home for the long term, this is the mortgage that you're going to have. This is the real mortgage that you want to have for the for the long term. And and this is going back to to really the the fourth step of the of the process that we touched on when we were reviewing the financing offers. So we would have picked this solution back then in the planning stage, and now we're just activating it. So let's assume we picked you know uh, one of the big five banks or you know a credit union that you've banked with and you're happy with, and and it works with your plan. We're essentially activating that mortgage at this point in time. And what that means is that new mortgage is going to come into place. They're going to pay off the construction mortgage and you're going to basically have 100% occupancy at that point in time. And you're going to be moving in the home and, and living in the home. And, and this mortgage is, is starting at that essentially that day that you that you get to move in. Just on that note, typically, typically when you build a home, you'll see a lift in value. So, you know, you might see a, a 10 or 15% lift. So there's actually some built up equity in the home. Um, so a lot of times when we go through this process, when we're, when we're talking about restructuring and potentially moving back to a different institution, we'll go through that and see if you guys have any need uh, to draw any cash out, whether it be to replenish some savings or, or what have you, but it's a really good time typically, typically to look at drawing uh, additional equity. That's a good, really good point. You know, a lot of times clients do require more money to get the project started than they initially thought they would have needed to or wanted to. And so this is the perfect time to replenish that cash and 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 move forward with the with the plan that you you originally thought you would have had. And and so that's exactly why we would potentially pull out more equity. Yeah, listening to the process right here, I think there's a couple of key things that we really need to bring uh, up to people and some key points as you walk through. Now, we, we highlighted seven key steps to get this prepared and then the ongoing management, but a couple of things that people typically tend to gloss over, no matter how many times they hear this, when they get into it is, is the same thing we hear all the time, which is what's the rate, what's the cost? Remember, when you're doing a construction financing, we're not doing it for the rate. We're looking at your total cost, which does include other factors, timelines, 
Uh, again, we discussed the draw schedule. Uh, we discussed comfort, being in your home, so many different pieces. So while we want to secure you the best cost of financing, that is not just necessarily that one thing. And the second thing, which again, probably the second thing that we see so frequently, which is misunderstanding the amount of work and effort that it takes to go into it. So um, if you are working with the bank, you could be left to dry or passed off when someone goes on vacation or they quit because they got a different job somewhere else. Listen, that doesn't going to happen here. So very, very, very key points. As a final piece here, if you're interested in looking into construction financing, if you've already done the research and you have, if you've listened to this episode, you're prepared to move forward. Your next step is to reach out to us here over at Thrive Mortgage Co. so we can assess your situation and get you approved. And if you're enjoying the show, if you're enjoying the episodes, like always, make sure to let us know. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We're everywhere at Thrive Mortgage Co. and on the website at thrivemortgage.ca. Talk to you soon.